Hello, folks. Uh, it's uh, fantastic to be with you again. And uh, I want to introduce uh, a guest uh, before, not, not Tony or Pat, <laughs> but I want to introduce a, a friend of mine who I've got to getting to know in recent weeks who's been a great, becoming a great blessing to me. And it's a young man called Finn. Would you like to come out, Finn? Hello, my friend. Okay, uh, would it be okay if uh, pick up on the mic here? But Finn's got an amazing testimony, which just so encouraged me. This testimony was happened a couple of years ago, did you, Finn? Uh, yes, this happened uh, when I was seven or eight. So uh, I'm 11 now, so a couple of years ago. Um, so one day I woke up and... My dad, he was in agony on the floor. It was like 7 a.m. And I came down and he was in so much pain. He was rolling on the floor. Um, and we called the ambulance and we had to get a stretcher to put him into just into the ambulance to send him over to the hospital. And that was, uh, that was not nice seeing my dad in that much pain. It's... That was not a nice day at all. Um, so later on, a couple of weeks later, um, we heard he, well, not a couple of weeks later, we heard he had a slip disc. A couple of days later, we heard he had a slip disc in his back. Um, well, it was a couple of weeks later that um, the actual miracle happened. Um, so he, we, we weren't able to be go out anywhere absolutely anywhere because my dad had to sit um, on a chair he couldn't move and one day I just got really annoyed that this I, I, I wasn't able to go anywhere I wasn't to do nothing I was just sitting in the house so I took authority and I put my hand on his back as he was lying on the floor and I said, in the name of Jesus, any pain, any sickness, that slip disc in my father's back, you are to be healed now. And I tell you, that day before I prayed, my dad was in so much pain. And then straight after that prayer, he got up and he ran up and down our kitchen and living room. That just, that just proves the power of God. He can Amen. heal anybody if you're just willing to accept his forgiveness Amen. thank you Finn thank you and Finn's dad Finn's dad Rory's here to prove it okay so uh, it's it's just wonderful and that's that's the kind of thing we're talking about and that's the kind of thing that Tony testified about this morning and that's the kind of thing I know you believe and stand for and preach for it, the rock, and I'm right with you on that. And you know, and the, the words of encouragement this morning, those prophetic words from Psalm 133, and then uh, what Lucy was sharing, look, I concur 100% with all that was said. Watch out, Stratford. As I said to Arvel quite a few years ago now, when um, I know he was a part of what God was doing at Stratford, I had this prophetic word that I said to Arvel. I said, what I feel is God is saying, Shakespeare, step aside and let Jesus take his place. Because, you know, Stratford is known the world over for, for Shakespeare. But the, that day is changing. 
because Stratford will be known for the revival, the outpouring of the Spirit that is coming here, and I believe that God has planted this church to, be, to facilitate that, uh, to, to be a trigger for the revival, the outpouring that's coming to this place, and Stratford will be known the world over. I mean, up until, uh, up until a few weeks ago, who on earth had heard of Asbury University? Now the world over knows about Asbury because God moved in a simple chapel service and, and, and began to do great things. Look, who's heard of the Rock Church at the moment? Only a few. But I tell you, the world will know. The world will know that Jesus lives because there are people of faith here who are, who are activating the Word of God. You know, faith isn't, we all have faith. I'm not sorry, preaching yet, I don't think. Anyway, you know, we all have faith. Everyone is, when we're born again, says we're given the measure of faith. And in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, we all have faith. Okay, so do we all please God? No, because what it actually means is faith, faith that's dormant does not please God. It's active faith. It's faith that's released. It's when you move out on your faith. And folks, God is saying it's time to get out of the boat you cannot please God stuck in the boat. That's where most of the church is. Most Christians are stuck in the boat. They've never, never ventured out of the boat. But the time has come and it's way beyond time for church to step out of the boat and walk on the water. Begin to walk on the water in the Holy Spirit. Begin to step out and trust God because that is faith. Faith is not faith when you're stuck in the boat. Anybody can do that. And it's time to step out the boat in faith and see what God will do. That's when the exciting times begin. That's when the scary times begin. You know, people in the world have a, have a desire to do something exciting and scary. Why otherwise would they do bungee jumps? Why would they jump from aeroplanes? Why would they go on those scary roller coaster rides or watch scary movies? It's because there's a desire within people to do some exciting, you know, to... You know, when you step out, there's an element of scariness about stepping out in faith. You know, it's, uh, when Peter went to step out the boat, he said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. And I think, you know, when Jesus said, okay, come, I bet he wished he'd never said, said it, you know, because then he had to activate his faith. But, um, you know, so, so faith can be a bit scary. Um, it's trusting God. And, and there's that in all of us, whether we're Christians or not. But we've got Jesus, folks. We've got Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12 says, uh, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. And this is the part I want to concentrate on. Uh, well, no, not this. Laying aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us. This is the bit. Looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher, or the pioneer and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now sat down at the right hand of God. Why is Jesus sat down? Because it's finished. He ain't doing any more, folks. He's done it all. He's done all he needs to do. And the great cry of triumph on the cross, it is finished. It's done. It's done, yes, it's done. We sing this years ago. It's done, yes, it's done. Through the precious blood of Jesus, the victory has been won. So basic message today is looking to Jesus. And I had a quick listen to 
the message that you heard last week to see that I just want to catch up on what God is saying to you. So I listened last week to Daniel Burke and uh, I heard he was talking about Jesus, his devotion, uh, his dedication, his prayer life and all of that. So I think what I have to share today won't be too much out of line with what was shared with you last week, but hopefully we'll build on that. Looking unto Jesus then, the author and the finisher of our faith. And that's what we're going to do. Do you ever marvel? I'm sure you do, like me, how big God is. How amazing, how awesome. You look at the, you know, you, you consider the universe, the stars and everything else. You consider all that, the vastness of God. You hear all these programs on TV about space and, and all that, and, you, and you, you, your mind boggles at the awesomeness and the majesty, the might and the bigness of our God. The mountains and the seas and the rivers, the oceans, the animals, everything, you know, we marvel at the bigness of our God. But how often do you marvel at the smallness of our God? He's amazing too. God, God is so small. God can get himself, God who is so big, so vast and so mighty can make himself so small that he becomes a little seed. God can put all his power in a seed. Wasn't that how Jesus was born on earth? Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary by the Holy Spirit and he became mighty God, made himself so vulnerable as to become like a seed in the womb of a young woman. That is amazing. I, th I find that staggering that God would make himself so vulnerable as to do that as the first part of his mission to rescue people like you and me. This is all part of the plan. How, how, you know, it's just incredible. It, just, it blows my mind when I think about it, that Jesus, the almighty God, was there in the womb of Mary as a little seed. And it reminds me, actually, when you and I are born again, we're born of a little seed. The Bible says we're born again of incorruptible seed. So our new birth, our second birth, where we're born again of incorruptible seed, you know, that, that's like Jesus being, being born in the womb of Mary. So Jesus grows for nine months in the womb of Mary. Jesus come not to be the Son of God, but to be the Son of Man. To, be, to represent God on earth, to live out his life in such a way that would be an example for you and me. So he grows in the womb for nine months, just like you and me. We grew in our mother's womb for maybe seven, eight, nine months, maybe nine and a half months in some cases. But we grew in the womb just like Jesus. And when the time came for Jesus to be born, he grew up in a family, a mom and dad, brothers, Sister, you know, he grew up in a family home. He knew the family scrambles. He knew the sibling rivalry. He went through the pains, the heartache, seeing his father die. He went through grief and sad. He went through every human emotion that you and I have gone through too, growing up in a family. And he began working for his dad. And he did that until he was 30. Not as the son of God, but as the son of man as a living example for you and me to follow. And then eventually the time came for him to embark upon his ministry, his public ministry at the age of 30. 
and he left home and he went about. He began, well, the first thing he did was look for his, his cousin John. He went down to the River Jordan and found that John was baptizing people. And so Jesus went up to his cousin. He said, John, baptize me. And many of you will know that John's response, no, no, you should be baptizing me. I'm not fit to unloose your sandals. But Jesus said, baptize me, John. He must have said he with a quiet authority. Don't argue with him, just baptize me. And if Jesus, the Son of God, who became the Son of Man, who knew no sin, was baptized, you know, that, that, that was my premise for being baptized. From the time I became a Christian, I like to think I've had a very simple faith. And Jesus encouraged us, said, unless you come as a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom. You come as a little child. And God loves childlike faith. Don't make it complicated. Keep it simple, stupid. Okay? Keep it simple. And Jesus baptized. So I thought, well, if Jesus, I'd been christened as a baby. I'd been christened. Actually, I got christened um, as a baby. Of course I did. But I actually got confirmed then after I became a Christian. But later on, when I saw that Jesus was dunked in the river, I thought, well, if that was good enough for Jesus, it's got to be good enough for me. So, folks, if you're here today and you're, you're a Christian now, maybe you're a Christian a short time or a longer time, and you've been baptized like that, and you want to obey Jesus, sign up for baptism, a public baptism, a declaration of your faith. Go under the water. It's a symbolism of dying to self and being raised in newness of life. So if Jesus was baptized, how about you? If it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. That's my motto. Anyway, at the same time, a wonderful thing happened. First of all, Father spoke from heaven. He said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Actually, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus, in all probability, had never heard his father's voice for 30 years or more. So he heard his father's voice. And you can hear your father's voice saying, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God is saying that to you today. Ladies, he's saying to you, you are my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. This is the father speaking to you today. He wants to reassure you. He wants to encourage you that you are good enough. For, you are good enough. Jesus made you good enough. Don't disqualify yourself. Don't think I cannot do this because I'm not up to it. God believes in you. God believes in you. He believes in the spirit in you. He believes in your ability to do great things through your faith. God believes in you. Don't let the world or anyone else disqualify you. God has written you on. Don't write yourself off when God has written you on. Well, God brought that affirmation to Jesus and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and landed upon Jesus. John the Baptist and Jesus said, repent and be baptized and you will receive the Holy Spirit. I believe Jesus was empowered that day with the supernatural power of Holy Spirit. And from that moment on, he began to live in fellowship, in union with Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what God's intention is for you and me. And let me ask you this. 
okay, first of all, are you born again? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If not, I urge you to do so. It's the most incredible thing that could ever happen to in your life. You know, to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to know that your eternal destiny is secure, to know that your sins are forgiven, you're born again, you are brand new. Everything you've ever done in your life that you regret, that you're ashamed of has been washed away in that precious blood of Jesus. It's amazing. But if you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, what can I say? Look, it's the most incredible experience that has ever happened to me. Uh, okay, giving my life to Jesus at Westminster Chapel at the age of 21 was a wonderful thing. I didn't fully realize what was happening. I just made, said a prayer, gave my life to Jesus, and that was it. I didn't realize the implications that would have. But on the night of the 10th of February, 1972, Holy Spirit came upon me, and I was beside myself with joy. Rivers of praise flowed from my lips, and a new language flowed out from me. And when I left that church, quite a long time afterwards, I had to be held up because I couldn't stand. I was like a drunkard. It really was one of the most amazing experiences. And I've gone on to live in the good of that. It transformed me from being an introvert who couldn't talk about Jesus to being bold and talking about him wherever I went. And that's the kind of change that the baptism of the Holy Spirit will do. Look, if it was good enough for Jesus and he needed that, then so do you and me. If it was good enough for the early church, the early church wouldn't have done what it did without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So let me encourage you to become hungry for that, to desire it, and just to get on your knees before God, to ask God to pour out his Spirit upon you. Say, God, I want to speak in tongues. I want the rivers of living water to flow from me. You begin to desire to be hungry for that. And maybe ask people in the church here to pray for you, lay hands on you. With myself, it did come through the laying on of hands through elders in the church. But it comes in all kinds of ways, Holy Spirit. Depends on your hunger and your desire. So that was Jesus. And that was just getting him started, folks. This is just the starting block. And then Jesus, after that, it says he was driven into the, well, the, one of the older versions, he was driven into the wilderness. Doesn't mean he had a car. He was driven by the Holy Spirit. Most of us don't go cheerfully into the wilderness, do we? No, we have to be driven there. We have to, God has to, like he says, he makes us lie down. Sometimes God has to make us. We have to cooperate with him. And sometimes God does lead us into wilderness experiences so we can learn to trust him. And in that wilderness, Jesus, um, he fasted. And he trusted God, he resisted the devil with the word of God, and he became strong in the Lord, he became strong. You know, God wants to make you strong through your world. What are we going through right now? You might be going through quite a wilderness. You might feel that God has abandoned you. Uh, it might feel quite a lonely place for you right now. But embrace the moment. Take the opportunity to, to become intimate with Jesus. Get, get, grow in fellowship with him. And use this time profitably. Maybe you love to be active serving God, but right now it's like God's put you down for a season. Embrace it, enjoy it. I'm not saying Jesus enjoyed the wilderness. I don't think he did. It was tough. It was tough. It was a battle. It was a struggle. But he overcame 
At the end of 40 days, the Bible says, he came out of the wilderness full of the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is the purpose of every test, every trial that we go through in life, that we come out full of the power of Holy Spirit. And then Jesus began to embark upon his wonderful ministry. And it's summarized in Acts 10.38. Jesus of Nazareth, notice it says Jesus, no, it doesn't say Jesus, Son of God. Jesus of Nazareth, the carpenter's son, who being full of the Holy Spirit and power, went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. That's your mission, folks. This is my mission. This is what God has called us to do. Be full of the Holy Spirit and power and to go about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil. How are you doing? How am I doing? Look, I want you to know I'm making progress and you are making progress too. And maybe for some of you, this is becoming a new, a new, new, new word. It's, it's something you've never heard before although I doubt it here if you've been here a while. But it's an encourager to keep on, keep pressing on in the things of God. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep praying for the sick. Keep believing God for healings, miracles, and signs and wonders because that is the will of God and breakthrough will come and we ain't seen nothing yet. We're going to see incredible things, really incredible. So this was the life of Jesus for three years and he did that. You'll know about the miracles. You'll know about the wonderful things Jesus did. Not just healing sick bodies, but ruling over the waves, ruling over the elements, um, changing water into wine, all that. these miracles that Jesus did, raising the dead. I love it in Luke uh, chapter 13, where John the Baptist says, sends his disciples to ask if Jesus is the Messiah or should he look for another he didn't quite get the message he wanted back, but what he did get from Jesus was, look, the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the gospel of the kingdom is being preached. <laughs> it's quite spectacular. And that's what God wants you and I to do. You say, oh, yeah, but I'm not Jesus. Oh, that's no cop-out, folks. That's no cop-out. I'll tell you why. In John chapter 14, 15, and 16, and 17 for that matter, just before Jesus went to the cross, he spent some quality time with his disciples, and he began to teach them about where he was going, why he was going, and what was going to happen after his death. They didn't understand it. They didn't grasp it fully by any means. I'm not sure we would have, but they didn't grasp it. But basically what he was telling them was, I've got to go and die. Because if I stay here on earth, even after I'm risen, I can only be in one place at one time. But I'm going to my Father, and I'm going to send you another comforter. I'm going to send you a comforter, someone who is just like me. And he's going to fill you, and he's going to, he's going to reproduce me in you. And, um, of course, we then know that Jesus told them to go and wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Holy Spirit, the comforter, to come. And when the comforter came, of course, they were filled with the same power as Jesus. So Jesus came to be our living example. And then, then we, we get born again with the same kind of seed, with the Jesus seed, the incorruptible seed. The only seed that's incorruptible is Jesus. 
And when we get born again, Jesus comes to live on the inside of you by the Holy Spirit. And as you go on in the faith, Jesus grows on the inside of you. And you have the power and the ability to do everything that Holy Spirit calls you to do. Most of us haven't realized that. I didn't realize that till recent years, the, the magnitude of what Jesus was saying. I'm still growing in my understanding of it. But since I've begun to appropriate it, since I've begun to preach it, and since I've been hanging around, especially with Malcolm, who's here this morning, and we've been sharing together the scriptures, and we've been sharing the books together over the last three years, we've begun to speak this, declare it, preach it, and we've begun to see more people healed than at any other time in our life. It's amazing. We, we, don't, we, we don't know exactly how many people have been healed, but we know it's at least 32. Well, for me, that compares to about three in the previous 50 years. And he backs up what God said to me a couple of years ago. If you don't preach it, you won't get it. You only get what you preach for. If you don't preach it, you won't see it. And look, if you, if you don't hear a preacher preaching it, preach it to yourself. There's no excuse here. And I've got no excuse, certainly, because I've got the privilege of being a widow. A widower. <laughs> got the privilege of being a Yeah, that seems a strange thing to say, because I miss my wife like crazy. But look, it's such a privilege to be on my own. I've got no distractions. I've got a beautiful flat, and I live there with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Why should I feel sorry for myself? I've got no distractions at all. If I don't have a great walk with God, if I don't experience intimacy with Jesus, I've got no one to blame but myself. Whereas people who've got families, you've got partners, you've got children, you've got grandchildren, you know, it's more difficult to make that time. But people like me, no excuse. And God wants to do amazing things through each one of us. We cannot say we don't have the power. We cannot say we don't have the ability because Jesus has sat down. He's done all he's going to do. We've got to keep listening to Holy Spirit and obeying what he says. Where Holy Spirit says go, you go. When Holy Spirit says speak, you speak. When Holy Spirit says be quiet, be quiet. It's about developing that level of intimacy with Holy Spirit because Jesus said, only do those things which I saw the Father do. And it was Holy Spirit who revealed them to him. Now this is Jesus modeling how you and I should live. Jesus modeled it perfectly. And now he's gone to heaven, sat down to the right hand of his Father, and he's watching, and he's looking, see how we're doing after 2,000 years. My guess is not too good. The church flits in and out of a revival power. The church flits in and out of passion and zeal for God. But the time has come, folks, and I think you at the Rock Church have a great advantage here because you have a core of people who believe this stuff and preach it and will keep on encouraging you out of the boat to reach out for the greater things. I'm drawing to a close now, but I want to say this. God wants to bring a fresh anointing upon you to preach the gospel, to preach the gospel in power, including repentance and, uh, and, and turning to God and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God is bringing a fresh anointing on this church, on people here to preach the power gospel. We need the power gospel to transform lives. 
We need it, folks, and God is anointing people here to preach that. But also, God is wanting to see not just healings, not just miracles, but signs and wonders. It's time for the church to rise up in its authority, to know its power and dominion over the enemy. Your prayer meetings sound great, and I'm sure you are doing warfare with the en- against the enemy, bind him, bind him, robbing him of his, his, his lying power. He's a liar. He's a liar. And I'm sure in your prayer meetings, you're spending time doing that, just, just robbing the enemy and just moving in authority, declaring the good things of God, declaring all that God wants to do in your life and in the church and in the town and in the nation and the nations. And that's good. God wants to see all of that. And he wants to see a, a power church, every believer in this church, equipped with the power of God, knowing who they are in Christ, knowing their authority, and knowing the power that you have in your mouth. Yep, the key's in your mouth, folks. It's what you say. What you say is what you get. What you preach is what you'll receive. You will get what you preach. So let me encourage you in all these things. There's so many more areas that God wants to expand us in. The area of supernatural finance, where we see God provide supernaturally amazing ways and that will entail loosening the purse strings. It'll include us making steps of faith in generosity beyond anything we've ever done before. But this is active faith, folks. This is faith, and God wants to do incredible stuff. I think along with the, what we heard at the beginning through Lucy and uh, also what I've shared. Now, I think, I think that's enough to take on board right now. That's enough. That's plenty to mull over. I'm just going to say this before I just close in prayer. And that is, I really do believe that as you've listened today, God has been working in hearts. God has been quickening faith. And look, this doesn't depend on me at all. This depends on God's word. But there are people in this room who've got faith People in this room have got more faith than me, have done more, greater exploits than me. And faith is operating in this room right now. And just as I've found out in the last three years, people have been getting healed in the meetings just by listening. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And you've heard the Word of God this morning. And faith is being released. And you may well find that you've been healed while you've been sat there. You may not know right now. Pain may well have left your body while you've been listening. You might just think, well, where's that pain gone? And this is what we've heard over the last three years. People have been saying, well, what, I just realized when the meeting finished, the pain's gone. I feel better. The stiffness has gone. We had this a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago. spoke at Solio Christian Fellowship. and actually got a bit tongue-tied. And I was mentioning about someone being healed. And I actually said, I'm a fro- frozen soldier a frozen soldier, and everybody laughed. I thought, oh dear, what have I said? And now I said, a frozen shoulder. Well, actually, that person came to see me a couple of days later, one of the leaders of the church, and said, I was that person. I was healed of a frozen shoulder. <laughs> and uh, we had a couple of other people responding as well to other things. But, but this, is, this is what's happening, folks. And we've got to expect it more and more and more, even without the laying on of hands. There's the word of faith is released The power is released in the midst of the congregation. Faith rises and people are set free. You see, faith is explosive power. Faith is dynamite. 
And that's been released today in some measure. I say not just through me, but other people in the church who are releasing their faith right now. Financial miracles in your life. You need a breakthrough in your finances. Look, God will speak to you about that. God will do something. Maybe you need to change your job or a, a, a job of any kind. God is able to do that supernaturally. God can do all kinds of things. We can see change in the nation supernaturally. Overnight, we can see change. Change in nations of the world. We can see change overnight. God is able to do anything, and he wants to release these things through you and me. One person here at the Rock Church can affect a nation. Did you know that? Just one of you moving in faith, if God puts it on your heart, you can affect influence and bring change to a nation. So I just want to expand your faith. I want to blow your mind and believe God for greater things. So let's close with a prayer of thanksgiving. Hallelujah, God. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Lord, yours is the greatness, the majesty, and the power, and we give all glory to you. Lord, we don't look to our own strength because, Lord, we know that in ourselves we are weak, but you are strong, you are mighty, and the Lord God in the midst of us is mighty. Lord, the Lord God in the midst of me is mighty. You say that. The Lord God in the midst of me is mighty. Say it again. The Lord God in the midst of me is mighty. The Lord God on the inside of me is mighty. And God, by your Spirit, I will release your presence into my life, into my family, and into this world. In Jesus' name, amen.